0: Not like a regular mom. I'm a cool mom. 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 Hey, cool moms. So I feel like kicking things off this new season, the theme very much feels like cry now. Laugh later. Because uh, that's what I've been doing. 2023 has been full of massive transformation. And like, do I say that every time? Maybe we're always constantly transforming. Maybe it's the Scorpio in me. I'm not sure. But this week in particular has felt very much like maybe she's spiraling. Maybe it's her period. <laughs> like, it's it's very that. Um, I have been doing... Everything I could do this weekend, this past week to like make myself feel better. That does not require me leaving the house. On Sunday alone, I took two naps, maybe like two and a half. And I feel like once you get past two naps at this point, am I just like breaking up sleeping by being awake for a little bit? I'm not sure, but I took two naps. I took out my braids, blew out my hair flat ironed it, hot combed it. If you know, you know, this was like a whole undertaking. I ended up very much giving the Rachel Cut, Bird from Soul Food, Olivia Benson a la season one of SVU. It was her vibe. It was very cute for all of eight hours. I woke up and I looked like I had worked the third shift. So That was that. My hair is very much reflective of how I'm feeling on the inside. So if you see me, know that you're going to see me in a hat and understand the vibes, understand where we're at. Aside from that, I also avoided phone calls. I took other phone calls. I put on a lot of lip gloss. I ordered in like three times in a day. You know that you're on some shit when you order dessert, like as just a singular order. I ordered breakfast I tried to get it together a bit for lunch, but then I ordered a late lunch. And then I ordered dessert with a side of macaroni and cheese. (laughs) With a side of mac and cheese. So the the dessert was banana pudding. I ordered banana pudding and mac and cheese. Um, Yeah, again, that's where we're at. I continued to put on lip gloss. I also made an entire frozen pizza and then I ate the entire frozen pizza myself. I followed that up with, watching Don't Worry, Darling. And I really allowed myself to be transported and fantasize about being a 1950s housewife who smokes cigarettes and folds clothes all day, you know, living the dream. And then essentially I realized that I'm already doing that now. Like that is already very much a reflection of my life. Only I need the husband to bring home the bacon and me not have to bring home the bacon and cook it and clean and fold the clothes and also smoke the cigarette, that would be nice. That would be nice. I know that that movie is problematic if you haven't seen it and you need, like, a good, maybe, like, Sunday watch by yourself. Highly recommend. It's a little bit dark, but, you know, I see the light in the dark. So I was fantasizing off of Don't Worry, Darling. I also have been realizing that, and of course we know this, that, you know, transition, difficulty never quite exists in a silo. We all are very much intertwined and connected and existing on a similar frequency, especially of those around us or in community with us. And so many of these conversations have been coming up specifically with my single friends. My single friends, my queer friends, my friends who are not partnered, who do not have families and that, they have felt really alone and empty. And this conversation, this ongoing conversation has been really specific to living in Los Angeles because living in Los Angeles, I would presume like many other large cities, but something about LA in particular, maybe because it's so spread out, has felt, can feel very isolating. And in that it can feel very lonely and not really feeling uh, fulfilled Yeah, just not feeling fulfilled and feeling lonely. And, you know, when I initially had this conversation with one friend in particular, I felt like it didn't apply to me. And I feel very grateful and in a constant state of gratitude for the, honestly, the friendship that I have um, within motherhood, not just with other moms, but with my son, I feel um, very much fulfilled in many ways and understand the privilege that it is to have someone to hug every day. You know, that was something that came up where a friend was like, I haven't hugged anyone in a week, which is mind blowing to me because I receive that verbal and physical affirmation and give that verbal and physical affirmation of love and care and tenderness on a daily basis. And that really fills my cup in such a way. And I don't take that for granted. I, yeah, I just, I don't take that for granted. But I think that I had not been so aware of, on the other side of that, what are the ways in which motherhood can be this salve for deeper ailments that Maybe are harder to recognize because we are so privileged in positions of motherhood to have and to, to give and to receive that kind of unconditional love. And so for me, the cry now laugh later theme has really been settling in and I also believe um, would be remiss to not acknowledge that we are still collectively dealing with the echoes and the ramifications of a pandemic and lockdown and everything that happened during that really um, bizarre era and how are we emotionally processing and what space have we created for ourselves and have systematically been created uh, none uh for us to be able to heal acknowledge acknowledge heal and cope so Again, I've been thinking a lot about how motherhood has been this salve. uh, as much as I think that I'm self-aware for me to not acknowledge that as of recently, I think spiritually I have felt very unfulfilled. And even more honestly, you know, I, I said in conversation last night that now has been a time that I have felt maybe the furthest away from God. And that's not something that I have ever truly experienced or been an acknowledgement of in my adult life. And no matter what you believe, um, this is, you know, absolved of any sort of faith or specific religion, but just to me, the God that lives within and the God that, that surrounds me on a daily basis, I have felt a bit disconnected from and I didn't really have the space to acknowledge and understand that until more recently and having these conversations around loneliness And when you're a business person, when you're an entrepreneur, you're constantly thinking of ways to continue to grow and build business and build community. And I realized that there is nothing that makes me feel um, that I have in practice in my life right now that roots me within myself, that roots me within God, that fills my spiritual cup, that is not monetized or publicized. I have felt like this platform has been such an incredible um, catharsis for me, Uh, you know, avenue of healing to be able to share and be honest and receive such um, intimate, vulnerable feedback from my cool mom's community. However, this is still very much a business. And so I say that to say, you know, for those folks who are still feeling it, especially my moms who we so easily um, can feel and allow ourselves to temporarily uh, fill our cups with the love and the receiving, the giving of love of our children. Um, to remember that there is a spiritual love that only we can give ourselves and only a relationship with, with whatever you believe is your highest power, universe, spirit, ancestors, etc., nature, to fill your cup. And so that has been really my focus now. That is my laugh later. For me, laughter being a part of that spiritual component. So I'm really excited to be reconnecting with all of the things that are going to make me laugh now and laugh later and even cry tears of joy, whether that's now or later. Um, But I damn sure I'm tired of crying (laughs) out of frustration. So some of those things I may share here, but I predict that many of those things I will keep just for myself. And it is my hope that you all have those special things that fill your spirit and prioritize filling your spirit with things that are just for you. Up next on Cool Moms, Celine Saman. First, we have to start off with our inaugural question. Always, always. Okay. And okay, depending I'm on ready. how kooky you are, if this is your jam, which I think I have an inclination of, <gasps> what is your sign or what is your big three, and what does that mean to you?
1: Oh, big three. Yeah, I just recently learned what that meant. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> So it means your um sun, moon,
0: and rising. Yes. Exactly, okay. exactly.
1: So my sun is in Scorpio. Mm-hmm. M- moon is in Aries. Okay. And um and then what's the third one? No you're wait, rising. Wait, wait. Sun is in moon. <laughs> sun is in moon. I'm not a good astrologer. Okay. okay. Sun is in Scorpio, Mm -hmm. rising is in Aries, and moon is in Sagittarius.
0: Okay. So very warrior energy. A thousand percent. I feel that. I I knew some of that because (laughs) I follow Scorpio Mystique on Instagram. Me too.
1: I love Scorpio Mystique. Shout out to Scorpio Mystique. Shout out to Scorpio
0: Mystique. She always has it for real, like the real thing that's happening, you know. Yes, exactly. I'm also a Scorpio, so I love seeing like you know how they're like, oh, so and so like this post, so it'll always like populate you or a few other people that I follow on IG. And I'm like, okay, I see my Scorpios, we're getting our word of the day. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) and also my moon is in Aries. Oh Interesting. Yep. And my rising is in Gemini, which, like, makes me a little Mm -hmm. bit more approachable. Oh, is that so? (laughs) I think so. (laughs) more approachable than me. (laughs) (laughs) Which is more approachable than my sun and my moon sign. Because my sun and my moon sign are like, get to business, get to work, and also let's get deep. And then I think my rising sign keeps me a little light, but sometimes Mm -hmm. um, gets me in trouble. It makes... (laughs) this is like me telling it myself, but I feel like it makes me in social settings more friendly and outgoing than I probably would actually like to be. And then I get overwhelmed with like all of the conversation my Gemini has gotten me into. And, and then I want to retreat and go home.
1: Yes. Yeah, Scorpio is like, you know, very, very, uh, how to say this, um, extreme. Like either I want to go out and I want to see everybody and I need to see everybody or I am hibernating like crazy. Like I don't want to see anybody or go anywhere. I don't know. It goes very like extremes. It's a lot of extremes.
0: It's a lot of extremes. Do you find it exhausting or do you find it to be maybe like a strength or a superpower?
1: I feel like now I just found a way to, to because it's a water sign. So it's basically lots of waves, you know? And so now I feel like it, at 40, I could say that I have managed the waves, you know, like manage how I relate to the waves or let them overwhelm me or not overwhelm me. And like, I I, I developed like a sort of a regimen to help me be at peace with ups and the downs. I can't control the ups and the downs. That's for sure. But I can control my, my relationship to these, like either I let them completely occupy me and I'm like overwhelmed or I am like riding the waves, you know?
0: (laughs) Yes. Yes. I want to, I want to get some insight because I've now been, I feel like just like squirreling away all of this information from all of these really um, wonderful dynamic women that I get the opportunity to speak with because I've relate to that. I have high highs or I can have low lows. And so I've tried to get better over time with riding the waves. This is the conversation I was having with myself uh, in the shower this morning. Mm. Um, I was just like, I was like clapping and making up kind of a chant of of, like all the things that I know are working in my favor. Um, and all of the things that I'm attracting. And I I remember doing it and that was loud when I was doing it, obviously. And I'm clapping and I'm in the shower and I'm like, my kid is going to think, my son is going to think, actually, I don't know what he's going to think, but he's probably like, my mom is different. I grew up with my mom (laughs) (laughs) screaming and chanting and yelling in the shower in the morning. So I'm curious about what are some of these (laughs) like (laughs) tactics or practices that you've implemented to help you better ride your waves?
1: Such a great question. I feel like, you know, first it's an experiment. I feel like I'm still experimenting. I don't have anything under control or so I think, you know, I feel like I, I, I don't got this under control yet. I try my best. I What I have under control is, you know, little things like, you know, managing, you know, or not managing, but more like connecting spiritually to myself, having, um, you know, a sort of a regimen, a spiritual a spiritual regimen for myself that I respect and honor and, and dedicate myself to. And uh, it's not attached to any religion. So it's not something that's dogmatic, but that I've developed through the years by, just naturally seeking healing and naturally being aware. And, um, someone like, I feel like most Scorpios, we are like born seeing the other side, you know, like we, we have this ease in understanding the depth of, of human existence. And from a young age, um, I was extremely drawn to to healing. To Now we call it healing, but at the time it was the occult. Oh, uh, yes. It was more like, like less uh, welcoming, you know, and or, you know, at one point it was called, uh, you know, new age stuff, stuff. or um, esoteric <laughs> shit and yes. like all, that all that stuff. Right. I, heard I heard that from all those exes. <laughs> <laughs> That always made me feel like, or witchy, or you're a witch or things like that, that where I'm like, no, I'm just trying to connect with, you know, spiritual energies and understanding that everything has a spirit, everything is spiritual. And I don't know, I feel like I don't have a certain thing that I could share that's like, oh yeah, like do this and don't eat that and eat this, but I can't share that because it's still an experiment. And I don't feel like I have everything under control to share and to stand right behind my own practice, but it works for me.
0: Yeah. I, <laughs> yes. I, that's actually really refreshing to hear. I think there's, um, it can feel really intimidating to say this is my thing and really stand behind it. Um, I, for me, I, I resonate a lot with this idea of there being an experimentation i'm constantly trying to figure out what works what feels good on this day what are the things that i that i can actually sustain (laughs) you know that doesn't feel daunting or overwhelming um and actually feels beneficial to my day i i'm an early riser right i'm like I, i really like waking up at like five in the morning and also my body is just like get your ass up and you can't go back to sleep so you know, I have all of these and these um, projected thoughts of I should go to the gym and work out. I should be sitting down meditating and all these things that I like should be doing. And none of them typically feel quite right. And so I've had to do a lot of experimenting in terms of, well, actually, maybe I do like setting up emails at 5 a.m. And that like helps alleviate some of my anxiety so I can do chiller stuff later and not have any sort of strange guilt about it. So I really, it's nice to hear that. Um, I had a conversation recently with Evelyn Escobar. Mm -hmm. Yes. Who's uh, phenomenal. And again, someone else that I've been wanting to connect with and it had been a long time, but she actually said something I thought might be on to something I could do. And so I'm going to pass this along to you, Celine. It was every day is kind of ruled by a planet right? There's an associated planet. Mondays are associated with the moon, et cetera, et cetera. And so what is the energy of that planet and le- really leaning into that energy? And so yesterday I was tired. I was literally quite literally in the bed all day. I did send some emails. I did some stuff, but when I, in my Googles, I was like, oh, Mondays are associated with the moon. It's really about an emotional reset and easing into the week. So then I felt, um, I guess, more aligned and a little less mm-hmm. guilty about how I was approaching the day. So maybe that might, I don't know, maybe that's something if you haven't already looked into it. I really like this idea of like going with the planetary energy.
1: Wow. I love that. I never thought of it this way. i It's interesting. Yeah. Mm, I don't know what, uh, for me in the morning, I wake up and sometimes my problems from the last uh, day, uh-huh. uh, And it's like, oh yeah, that life I'm here. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And then I feel myself getting drained with like, just thinking about the past, thinking about the future, worrying, being in this non-space that's not here and now, basically. And, um, recently I heard a a talk by uh, Caroline Mice, I think her name is, uh, about like basically how when we do that, we we go in deficit of our energy levels, okay? And it's essentially like we open the taps of our energy and we're just, before we even start the day, we're like minus 10, you know? We start the day with 100 and then we start thinking about all of these things that we don't necessarily have the space or time to think about productively, but we're just like, it's overwhelming and we're starting to. Whoosh. And so when I do that, uh, I catch myself and I um and I and I put myself in front of my meditation, you know station, meditation mm-hmm. station. and I, you know, it's funny, I don't think of the planet so much, but I think of my and oops, sorry, I, I knocked the microphone. I think of my um environment and uh, I think of just connecting with the elements, you know, like, okay. I'm breathing. This is the oxygen. I'm so grateful for all this oxygen that we can breathe. I am, you know, thankful for the water that I'm drinking because it just fell through the pipes magically and it's, you know, somewhat drinkable. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Right. You know, I just think of the elements, I think of myself connecting to Mother Earth and to the to earth energy and to just grounding. I think of if I have any negative energies that are coming up, like I'm scared or I'm worried or I'm hurt or all of these things that are bubbling up, I try to release them back to the earth as um, compost. I think of them as like spiritually, like releasing, spiritually pooping them out as compost You know, just releasing them out. They are here, but we are releasing them. We're We're letting them pass through. And instead, uh, I, I I focus on you know just like a plant, basically like absorbing the 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 sunlight.
0: Yeah, <laughs> you
1: know, just like imagining myself like a plant and imagining that I create oxygen. Well, I don't really. I use oxygen, but like I I I just like imagine my 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 skin as a the same surface as a plant, and I start absorbing light and absorbing light and trying to 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 just, you know, fill myself with light and love and just being present. And that's my meditation practice that I try to, to practice.
0: <laughs> I like that. I honestly, I felt kind of immediately calmed listening <laughs> to you say that. I was just like, yes, I can poop out all of my anxiety. Yeah, you just
1: release it as a fertilizer to the land. You know, the earth knows what to do with it because oftentimes I would hold this in. I'm like, I don't want to give this to anybody because it's disgusting energy. But a friend of mine was like, but you know, you poop out what you don't need. So um, why don't you release it? Allow yourself to release it back to the earth and know that the earth has the infinite intelligence of the universe to just recycle what we don't need and use the nutrients that are needed and just let it out you know, let it out so you don't hold on to it. And that has been helpful for me to allow myself to let it out, you know?
0: Oh, yeah. That's, I... I hope to like, I'm going to take this clip. You should do an absolute. I'm just like. <laughs> <laughs> meditation with Selena. Meditation. P.S. 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 She doesn't she have it figured it out, out yet. Exactly. So. <laughs>
1: exactly. She is herself exactly. a tornado. <laughs> 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 no, I am a tornado. I too feel like I'm like, I'm actually a tsunami because we're water signs. But sun-ya? like it's just too much, too much. I sense a lot of energy. I am definitely someone who identifies as being like on the spectrum because like the level of uh, sensitivity that I have and perception and yeah, I, I just get so much, I'm overwhelmed. And and I've always been like that before there were words for describing it and, and, and tools to allow you to deal with it and to say, okay, I'm going to go now and Shut the lights and be alone in a dark place where I can just be with myself and allow myself to just process everything that I just
0: perceived, you know? Mm -hmm. This is interesting because, one, it makes me think of two things. One, um, kind of where you live and where you've established home in proximity to a large city, but a little bit outside of that and then also the second thing it makes me think of is the work that you do because the work that you do is so tethered to others and awareness and giving and having to be really available um, and making yourself and information accessible. So first I would like to talk about as someone who is a deeply sensitive <clears throat> person, how did that impact your choice and where you call home? Yeah, how did that impact your choice and home?
1: Well, I never really thought that I was going to move up here. You know, I've always been someone who loved the city, loved being in the heart of the action, loved Brooklyn. You know, I've as soon as I landed in Brooklyn in 2008, I was like, oh my God, this is like a little bit like Beirut, a little bit like Paris, a little bit like Montreal, a little bit like everywhere I've been, but it's its own flavor and I can be me, you know, like I could never be me. You know, anywhere I went, even in my own country, I... You know, I have to be a certain way as a woman, you know, I have to present a certain way as a woman. And there's lots of standards for women in my country to just how we are to show up, you know? And it's changing, mind you, it's it's very much changing. But back in the day when I was a teenager, there were a lot of expectations that I was like, hell no, I'm not doing that. I can't do that. I definitely cannot show up like that. And, and this so, is in Lebanon. In Lebanon. This, yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah, in Lebanon, I, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, women have so much pressure all around the world, you know, every single culture or country, I don't know, I feel like women have a lot of pressure. Uh, and in my country as an Arab woman, there's a lot of standards and a lot of, um, you know, requirements of asked of us, you know, and, um, and so on. And so I, I never felt like I was me, me, you know, I wasn't accepted as me. And I lived in Paris and of course, um, as much as I love Paris and I love French and I love, you know, a lot of things about the country and everything. Uh, it's not my country. And <laughs> it's also a country that colonized us. And there's a oh, lot wow. of prejudice Precisely. against Arabs there. And it, it's also some a place where I cannot be fully myself. Um, and then I lived in Montreal and and i and i love montreal and i love the, the freedom that it allowed me to study and have access to free education open up my eyes on open education on free education accessible education which later on became my my focus of work but of course it's also i'm an arab woman in in quebec uh, you know it's it's an occupied um stolen land uh, there's there are two different uh, groups the english and the french and they they fought for the land and the french owned the land the quebec land i mean the the, the quebecois region uh, i mean the quebec region and the quebecois owned that region and um you know uh, at least when i was there there was not much room for immigrants you know of course you can be there but you know, culturally, you're not super welcome, you know, like culturally, there's not much room for you as an immigrant uh, because you don't have the same accent. And, you know, you're an immigrant, so you're always going to be an immigrant. You're an immigrant right. in that culture. that culture. And so I I always felt like, okay, that's the limit that of what I can do here. And I came to New York. And again, as soon as I landed here and walked around, I just immediately felt so, so connected to, to the place and to everything, 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 the layers and layers and layers of realities that exist here. And um, yeah, it sounds like Beirut, you know, like the, the the cops and the beep, beep, beep and the people, and it's like loud, I love it and so on. So just to give you an idea that like arriving here, I was like, oh my gosh, it it even smells like Beirut sometimes. Like it just feels so, so close to me. Uh, I, I, I recognize myself here so much. And in 2020, the pandemic started and, you know, I never thought of of myself living upstate anywhere or even in nature. Every time I would go to nature, in fact, I would get uh, panic attacks. I would be like, I need to be in the city. I need to be in the city. I can't be here. I can't be here. I I need to go back to the city. Like after a day and a half, I would be like, get me back to the pollution immediately. I need to be surrounded by pollution and cars and noise immediately. But in 2020, we just stumbled on this on this place and everything aligned and it felt I felt pulled and I just allowed myself to go into that. And and now I live here and honestly, I, I don't know how I could live again. In the mm. city. I don't know. For but you know, I'm I'm a creature of extremes. For now, I'm in the forest and I love it. And I am so grateful. I made a lot of progress in being still and being in stillness. It has allowed me so much of introspection and healing, healing, like also the other thing is like, by the time I hit 30, I had moved in about 27 homes, you know, throughout my life. And I, I've i always been on the go. I've never really had roots anywhere. And I always thought of myself as someone who was living in a terrarium, you know, the mm-hmm. terrarium is where the roots yes. are in the, like they're in the the container. And being here allowed me to finally um, ground
0: myself somewhere. So it's very precious. Gosh, um, I really like that analogy about the terrarium (laughs) or the terrarium and like your roots kind of being with you. When I lived in New York, I was there nine years and I think I had eight or nine apartments in those nine years. So again, but also I grew up constantly moving, traveling with my family, learning how to make a new place home, make new friends, new routine. And so I found, um, I think very similarly, a lot of comfort in being on the go. And it took me a really long time uh, when I would like seek spiritual readings and they would just, you know, that would be a message that would come up a lot is like being able to be um, kind of a nomadic person in that way and finding kind of peace in that. But that, that was really challenging for me for a really long time because it went against my understanding of what grounding is and what stability is, of what success even looks like. You know, how can I continue to, um, although success is not lateral, it's very linear in that way. How can I keep elevating myself in all of the ways if like, I can't find my my pot (laughs) because I moved into like on a really pragmatic level. And for me, motherhood was, the experience that came in and was like okay you have this very earthy capricorn child who <laughs> demands of you a routine and consistency and is like so what is happening tomorrow morning then what mm. are we going to do and then what are we going to do and then where we and i'm like I don't know, whatever, you know, let's let's figure it out tomorrow. Um, I wouldn't even know what my plans were like, you know, two weeks from now. And so life has changed quite a bit in that way. And I think very similarly, um, me really uh, submitting to Los Angeles and being really surprised by how much I have found home here and peace here and my routine and my consistency. And I think that's so important for Um, people who are constantly thinking, doing, moving and evolving themselves in the world around them. And then also people who are within motherhood, like, you know, it's as much as you want to be like different and woo woo, motherhood comes in and it's a great equalizer for many of us. (laughs) And it asks of us um, maybe things that we have been moving away from. So I'm curious also, you found yourself now as a, as a woman who's moved around quite a bit, as a person who's moved around, at what point did in motherhood enter your life? And how do you extend that same sentiment of like grounding and stability um, with your children? Yes,
1: thank you for that. Your questions are so beautiful. Thank you for sharing also your part of the story about your yourself finding ground. And it's beautiful to hear your story too. My first child is also a Capricorn. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, um, big lessons. It's funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> big lessons and yes, you are correct like they love to know what's going on and they love to have uh, be in charge and have their routine and have their things and I I respect that it's beautiful. Um and you know I I I came into motherhood in my uh in my 20s and um I wasn't really like thinking I was going to be a mom. Uh, I'm 40 now. So it's, it, it wasn't that uh, I was thinking, you know, um, I'm going to be a mom soon. Or one day I was always thinking, I want to do this in this life. And I want to do that. And I want to, you know, achieve my dreams. And it, when I look back, I didn't really have any role models of mothers that, that inspired me to to believe that you can be a mother and and your life is not over once you're a mother. You know, I had this idea like if you're a mom, your life is over. That's it. You're you're you has been, you're not <laughs> relevant anymore. Who cares? Um you're a mom, you know? Like that energy. And so um so yeah, I had to overcome that when I found myself that <laughs> I was pregnant and um I was end of my 20s, so I I I was, you know, sort of going into it, be feeling like, okay, this is the next phase of my life, you know, and uh, trying to accept a lot of things um, and build my own role models, build my own ideals of what I want out of motherhood and what I will not give up and what I will not compromise and how I want to raise my children and, it, It really allowed me to define what motherhood was for me. I don't have to follow anyone else's rules or anyone else's vision of motherhood, because of course, especially also as an Arab woman, there's a lot of expectations that are put upon you that... You're like, oh, you 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 need to do this, 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 this. Like, you're a mother. Motherhood is your number one priority right now, and uh, you need to excel at it before you think if you want to do a career or you want to pursue something or another. You know. And so there was a lot of standards for me that I was like, okay, I'll do everything I need to do, and I don't want to forget about me also. You know, like, and and I want to keep doing my dreams, and I want to, you know. I want to also honor my inner child, you know, because like, I can't be a good mom if I am frustrated and feeling compromised and feeling like, you know, so it was a delicate balance. And in fact, uh, after my first child was born, I went to Lebanon for um, like indefinite time. (laughs) I took her with me, my partner came with me and, and we stayed there for, for maybe half a year or seven months. And in that time, my partner learned Arabic, learned how to read and write, uh, speak Arabic, which was amazing for to speak with my family. And in that time, I really, re really thought things through. You know, like I had a notebook. It was like this small. I, I hid it everywhere. And I was like, every time I was thinking of something, I would write it down. And I started connecting the dots in my life. Like, what are the things that I love that bring me so much joy that are in me, you know, like they, they, they're either gifts I was born with, like, you know, I'm very good at communication. I'm very good at writing and drawing, and I'm very good at, you know, listening, understanding. I, I love to listen to other people. I love, I have a a cause within me that's about my country and, you know, justice and all these things. I started, Connecting the dots and, and Slow Factory was born very soon after. So it's almost like I would consider Slow Factory also my child, my second child.
0: Yes. I, gosh, I, I love these stories and this is why I do this. For very similar reasons, I didn't have examples of women that were approaching motherhood and also their passion and their purpose um, in a parallel way that felt fulfilling from both ends. And so I was like, I have to seek out these stories so that I know that it's possible for myself and for others and share them and very similarly connecting dots what does it mean starting cool moms and so slow factory being your second baby I'm so glad that you said that because we have to get into slow factory I saw something very 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 cool on social media the other day of uh via slow factory of like cowhide that is not made from cows Mm -hmm. and so I, i i was just like okay there's a lot of very cool stuff happening that you are working on so i would love to kind of start from a very high level like what is slow factory what is its purpose what is the mission and then we can get in really granular into like all of these really inspiring um activations and work that the organization is doing
1: Absolutely. Yes. Thank you so much for asking. So um, definitely Slow Factory has been an experiment and continues to be an experiment. So um, the experiment is that how can we create things that are good for the planet and good for people simultaneously? And how can we fund these projects that are ways that are regenerative? And so there's a lot of standards, uh, same, same with what I feel like the Arab culture has put upon me all these standards. I put the same kind of standards around slow factory and principles and um, guidelines and methodology in, in order to allow us to make decisions. And um, uh, throughout the years, it's been over ten years now that we've that we've been doing Slow Factory. Uh, it actually started in two thousand and seven, two thousand and eight. The name of it came to us, but I, I I incorporated and started working with the name Slow Factory in two thousand and twelve after my first child was born. And so um, in 10 years, really a lot has happened. Um, we um, we also created Slow Factory in a way that's like an ecosystem, okay? So it, there's a non-for-profit entity that's Slow Factory, the non-for-profit. There's a Slow Factory Labs, that's a for-profit entity that receives investment to develop the, le- the leather that you saw, that's Slow Hide, uh, like cow hide, one yeah. word, Slow Hide. It's slowly uh, growing. Um, it's a bacterial nanocellulose Uh, growing from tea and coffee waste, fermented, Uh, similar process as kombucha. A lot of people wrote under the image, oh, it's SCOBY, it's SCOBY. It's absolutely SCOBY. (laughs) That's the essence of it. It's, It's thousands of years old. It's not anything new. But what's new about it is the IP that has been developed around this material to preserve it. And that doesn't contain any plastic so that's the energy that is around this lab is you know continuing this eff- these efforts in in ways that respect the planet respect people um and uh, and so on so that's slow factory labs and then we started recently a slow factory fund where we are raising funds to support projects uh, and donating to projects that are around um different areas some of them are around material science just like the leather for instance and others are around web 3 uh, bitcoin um you know all of this decentralized organization um uh, decentralized ways of um of 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 monetizing and sharing Funds, you know, and we're interested in that space as well. So that's a little bit like the ecosystem of Slow Factory. It's not just the non for profit. The non for profit is focused on education and it's focused on funding research. Funding research currently, we just launched this month our fellows. We are funding, uh, I believe, over 15 fellows is incredible um it's also open edu open education for 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 those of you who know uh, open education provides free lecture series online uh we make sure that they are as accessible as possible with uh, closed captioning and American sign language interpretation and um and the topics vary uh, and they all are under the umbrella of, I would say, collective liberation, which we defined as, you know, uh, sovereignty, land sovereignty, our bodily autonomy, racial justice, uh, international solidarity, and, and so on.
0: I mean, I can go on and on. I'm no, sorry. you totally I, can go on, so on and passionate. on. I, I This is what I'm so excited <laughs> to get into because I Um, I want everyone who is listening to be able to understand the levels of impact that Slow Factory has. You know, I was very familiar with the open education platform. I've looked at the lectures. I've like familiarized myself with it in that way, but not as familiar. Like I said, when I saw the Slow Hide on social media and also as a caveat, I am like so very impressed with the way in which you use social media as a tool um, to be able to disseminate information that is like light and fun and interesting, but also like full of so much weight um, and maybe not always the things that we see or necessarily want to see on social media, but are really important um, because it is such a great, a great a great platform and an equalizer and being able to, again, share information. So I'm excited that you are excited about the work that you're doing. I think having 15 fellows (laughs) is like deeply impressive. Being able to fund the ideas and the visions of others is like um, such a privilege. Um, What So much of what I'm gathering, and so tell me, correct me if I'm wrong or if it doesn't resonate, that there are many facets of your life that feel inherently politicized, right? from your own personal identity as a woman, as an Arab woman, as a mother, um, to also the work that you're doing, (laughs) decentralizing money, um, making education and information accessible. All of these things inherently, I think, go against the system in which we all exist in. Um, Do you find that you seek out um, causes that feel very politically charged or inherently do you feel like your identity just is politicized? And so it is your work to do, to undo that.
1: Such a good question. Yes, I'm politicized from such a young age. I uh, was born in a war. I, um, My family, uh, you know, had to flee. And, uh, and uh, I was always aware of what was going on, you know, since a very young age. And also living in the Middle East, you are by default understanding of uh you know, global politics, you are born in an area that is considered a sacrificial zone uh, for many reasons. Um, one of them is uh, through proxy wars and access to uh, other countries, uh, oppressing other countries, controlling other countries for the gain of oil, of pet- petroleum. Uh, patrol um and uh, uh other other than that it's also the um the injustices that we face as peoples that are uh under attack constantly under attack from our neighboring country uh Israel uh also our peers in in Palestine that are uh, under uh, occupation um, knowing that is, just impossible to unlearn that once you live that, once you have uh, been through a raid, uh, uh, been uh, under bombs, uh, you know, there's there's an an awareness that I can't shake off, okay? I can't just be like, it's fine, I can't. Even when it's fine, I have a feeling that something's not okay gonna happen, you know? I have a very hard time feeling like it's fine, in fact, even when it's fine. Hence why when I was in the forest and the first times that in the beginning of my 30s, I couldn't be here because I just, it was too much for me to, to be with myself, to be with all of the trauma that I had lived. It was too much, you know, it took me a long time to heal and I'm still healing. I'm not even done healing, you know, <laughs> um, and I, I'm very privileged to, to be able to heal and to be able to be in a place where I have this peace. I'm very, very aware of that. Um and take that as a responsibility uh, to give back all the time that I can um, to to reach out and to, to give back and to connect with my peers and in Lebanon and outside of Lebanon, because all of us that are struggling, we're struggling under the same rule and we're struggling under the same extraction and to benefit the same people. And if only we come together, and we can uh, have international solidarity between one another, then I feel we can be extremely powerful because we are very powerful beings. And um, basically that's a little bit where I'm at in, in my understanding. Um, and yeah, I mean, for me, it's just, it's it's a lot of compassion. It's just, I cannot not care. I care too much. In fact, to my own detriment, I I sometimes have to just shut it off and be like, I can't. I can't right now. I just physically cannot. Physically, I I'm oversaturated. I, I have to, I have to chill <laughs> because um, I I I am like that. I just am feeling so much. So that's that's one thing is um, is is just how I'm built, you know? I don't know how to say it more than that, but I try to be different, but I I cannot, you know? And so sometimes I may come across as too intense or intimidating with all of these causes that I'm able to hold, but I hold them with my whole heart until I can't hold anymore. And then I I withdraw and I delegate and that's that.
0: How does being a person that can hold so much um, and give so much and hold space for others How does that then impact your approach to mothering, which is also another job in which you have to hold space so much in such an intimate way for others? (laughs)
1: Yes. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Um. (laughs) Yes. They're upstairs and they're playing with pottery right now. And I said that I have one hour and then I'm going to come and then we're going to do really fun things together. So I'm so grateful for how compassionate my children are and how extremely aware they also are. And, you know, we have a lot of deep conversations together and they're my best friends, I swear, uh, best friends I've ever had. And um, I don't know, it's just... uh, it's a delicate balance of friendship and mothering, for sure. Sometimes I do have to be the mom and I I don't like it. I prefer to be the friend, but I have to be the mom. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's a delicate balance. I, I'm not going to lie. Sometimes I do feel like I'm a terrible mother at that. I am so taken by all of the work that I do and um, the amount of, uh, of stress I am facing, that I, it takes away from my children. And, um, also I opened my home to so many people, you know, like not just this home, but even previous homes, like even my small apartment, I always was a host, like the the host, someone who would cook for everybody and have everyone at the house. And I exposed them to so many different, um, people and, uh, and issues and uh, stories and cultures and, and so on. And, uh, it's good. And it's also now in a time where I'm like, okay, I need more boundaries because I, I want to be able to have a place where we're just us, you know, it's okay to just be us, the f- just my children and myself and, and to listen to them and to listen to what their perceiving of the world and how they're growing within this world. What are their concerns, you know, and what are their thoughts? And now
0: I'm more in that space, if you will. Do you have an idea of what their perception of you is in your work and in your purpose?
1: Um, I, they think that my work is to save the planet. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, "I want to be like you. I want to save the planet. Oh, I want to work amazing. with slow factory." They say that a lot and I love that. It's so cute. Um we talk a lot about the the planet, of course, and human rights and and so on. So I don't know what their perception of me is. I I think it's just, you know, the other day because um there's a lot of people that like come for me, they come at me. I mean, I don't know, maybe because someone told me when, when you hold everyone else's dreams, you become also, you know, the target of what dreams you were not able to fulfill for, for other people. And um, I was under attack recently um, and I have been harassed for the past three years. It took me so long to even say it because I was always so, so afraid of the consequences for the harasser. If I did say something, you know, and um, and, and my kids saw me go through it because it's like a lot of panic attacks, a lot of fear, a lot of like, oh my God, I, I, it consumes me, you know, to, to receive such attacks and to, to receive these harassments. And, um, my, my, my eldest daughter wrote, uh, at school, they asked her write an essay about someone you admire. And she said, I admire my mom because she gets knocked down many times and she doesn't give up. <laughs> and I was like <laughs> I would be a
0: ball of mush you know because that I comes from so hard, so hard like that comes so from such a, a genuine place and mm-hmm. and a place of um yeah of genuine innocence as well and, and yes. having that connection with you that's very sweet and I'm sure what many parents would like would hope for um I'm curious about then, what have you found to be one of the greatest misconceptions about you or the work that you do?
1: Um, you know, in the beginning, it was like, I'm a saint, basically. Like I- I'm expected to act as a saint. So the public put on me these expectations that I'm not supposed to fly or eat anything that's not sustainable. Uh, you know, even one time I was eating M&Ms and I was like, please don't show that I'm eating M&Ms because people are going to be like, it Nestle is bad, pissed. you know? And I know, I know
0: Nestle is bad. I know, <laughs> but I wanted an M&M, right. M&M okay? <laughs> but damn, can I have a piece you of chocolate? You know, it's like, I have my periods and right. I want an M&M. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, but yes. yeah, just
1: like the expectations that like anyone who works in a space that is for the collective good, mm-hmm. they are expected to be saints in any which way. So they are scrutinized in ways that even the president of the United States is not scrutinized like mm. that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are held to higher standards that the presidents of the world are are, are held to. Um, Especially if you are a woman of color, uh, you are completely scrutinized uh, and sexualized and uh, harassed and all of these things, you know, so it's very uh, vulnerable. Like you put yourself voluntarily in a vulnerable position and you don't do that because uh, you're going to like nothing comes from this. It comes only you have to be very strong to be in that position. You have to know yourself one million percent because there will be times where you're going to ask, are they right? Am I like that? Am I like this? You know, and you have to really know who you are for your own self. That's literally my lesson that I'm still learning the hard way because I'm a Scorpio. Um, And and SZA, (laughs) Solana, who's also a Scorpio, recently tweeted something, and I'm going to paraphrase, that we don't do this for the press. We don't do this for the hate. We don't do this for the harassment that we get. We do this because we have such a big creative uh, you know, motivation and drive to share ourselves with the world, to share what we know, what we feel with the world. That's why we are doing what we're doing. And I really resonated with that. I was like, wow, yes, you're correct. That's literally just recentering myself and being like, all of these misunderstandings, they're not mine at the end of the day. They're the public's misunderstanding. Their perception of me is nothing but a mirror of who they are. Yes. And I cannot control that. That's something I cannot control. I cannot control how people perceive me, what stories they built around me. It just is a mirror of who they are, their frustrations, their perception of themselves. So in fact, a lot of people are afraid of entering the space of climate justice and human rights because they feel like they're doing something bad. Oftentimes I'm sitting with people and I'm like, okay, this is what we do. And the person apologizes because they Mm. don't do that. And I'm like, it's okay. Now you can, now we can do this together. And they're like, yeah, but like, uh, I don't know. I like Pepsi. And I'm like, okay, uh." We can still work. I like McDonald's. I'm like, doesn't matter. It goes beyond what you like and you don't like, you know, it goes with what you're doing and how we can, you know, connect with one another. So there's a lot of barriers to entry in coming into a space where you feel you are righteously in that space because you love the world and you love people, period. That's that's why we come in that
0: space. I think that's going to be such a relief, I hope, to a lot of people listening because that, that was a, an affirming message for me. Um, I have gratefully raised a very conscious child who goes to nature school. So again, a Capricorn who checks me about <laughs> anything that he has any understanding about. And so he has a very, a real love of the earth and the world. And we walk around and he's like, mommy, why did this person litter? Why do they treat mother earth like this? Yes. That's not okay. Absolutely. But that, that balance and being able to say, I can meet, the world and myself where I'm at. So sometimes we go to McDonald's and we get the chicken nuggets and we have the conversation about the microplastics and the chicken nuggets, but we also have the conversation that chicken nuggets are delicious. Mm. (laughs) We are going to eat them consciously. (laughs) <laughs> knowing <laughs> that we are consuming microplastics. So maybe next time we'll make a different choice. But today we eat the chicken nuggets and we will not guilt ourselves about it. We will be very aware of it.
1: Um. I mean, that's the thing. It's that's the thing. It's the guilt, you know, like you. The guilt carries this energetic thing that can also hurt you, you know, like the the, the level of stress that you create around the guilt that you have are also impacting you negatively. They're pollution, yeah. So guilt itself is pollution to me. Guilt and anger, you know, and like, you know, of course I started with anger, you know, with this, uh, I was talking actually with, with a friend recently with Rachel Cargill about anger, because a lot of us started with this energy that's like, ah, it's not fair. There's like an anger into it, but we all transcended Transcended hmm. this emotion and turned it, transformed it, transmuted it into powerful, powerful transformative, transformative work. And that's the key, you know. That's the key. Like, don't let anger or guilt or shame—all mm-hmm. of these are polluting energies. They are literally clouding you in ways that you, you you're not making the decisions you're supposed to be making because you're you're cl- you're clouded in that,
0: you know. So. <clears throat> as we're kind of winding down, I would also be remiss. You know, we went from one extreme. As Scorpios. let's go to the next. What do you do? We talked a little bit about chill earlier. Um, What do you do to find your chill, to find your joy, to find the moments of beauty, like within yourself and outside of yourself?
1: To find the chill, you know, I feel like the chill is within you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> the chill is within you and you can think the chill is someone else going to give you the chill you're going to go to a yoga session yes it's good or you're going to have a meditation session with someone else it's amazing if you can do that do it do it do it but oftentimes it's allowing yourself to sit with yourself and to you know listen to everything that's going on within yourself and to allow it and to like I said, like spiritually poop it out and refill yourself with light and just be chill in that zone of nothingness. Like, I, I swear it sounds like, what is she talking about? But the the more I do healing and or I, I invest my energy in healing or I explore healing, or like Bell Hook says, I'm a seeker. I seek, I seek, I seek love and healing and all of these things, the more it brings me back to, it's it's in you. You know, it's, it's you, it's you, how you relate to yourself and how well you know yourself and what you allow for yourself, you know, it's hard. I'm not saying it's easy. It's yeah. very hard. I sound, it sounds easy. It's not easy, but it's, it's, it can also be so easy. That's the thing, <laughs> it, it can be easy. What it, do you think makes not it difficult? Answer. Yeah, we make it difficult. So for me, it's been a lot of, of time by myself,
0: Like I'm alone, quality time alone. Yes. Yes. I think um, that's going to take us really nicely into our next segment. But before we get there, I just want to thank you so, so, so much, Celine, for your time, for your energy. I think there's like a million things we could have touched on and that I would love to continue conversation. But like, I'm so happy that we had... um, this time, I I also promised my child to do something very fun if he left me alone for an hour. So-
1: yes. <laughs> <laughs> I heard the door knocking just a little bit earlier, just like a finger. Oh
0: my, like, is it time yet? So yes. well, then we will get very quickly into the next se- segment, which is ask a cool mom. Oh. Ah. We have Layla, 26, writing in from Atlanta. She says, I'm having a difficult time not bringing anger into my mothering. I find myself frustrated often. I'm in therapy, but I don't want to pass that energy to my child. What are some tips on? Wow,
1: yes, we all deal with that. We all deal with that, you know? Um uh, as soon as I became a mother, a good friend of mine who's who, who's older than me and uh, was already a mother of someone my age told me, if you don't take care of yourself, you cannot take care of anyone else. So if you don't spend time with yourself, healing yourself and, you know, holding yourself, you cannot hold someone else. So in terms of the anger, it's so beautiful that you are aware of it because anger is also a, medi- a medicine. It's medicine. It's telling you something. It's telling you something you are potentially ignoring. You know, Maybe anger is rising because it's trying to get your attention. What is anger saying to you? And I would say, write it down and try to listen to anger because anger has things to say too. And the more angry that you are, the more it, it's just telling you it's telling you something it may be saying i'm tired
0: schedule <laughs> a massage
1: you know or i'm uh i'm not doing what i want to do you know or um I wish my friends would come and hang out with me. I'm lonely, you know, mm-hmm. or like I feel, I feel abandoned or whatever it is that anger is trying to say. I, I would say try to listen to this anger. What is this anger saying? Um, and how can you, uh, can you attend to it? And if this anger is about the world and the injustices of the world, there are ways to turn this anger into, into, um, into action. I would say, turn this anger into something you can control, because if you cannot control it and you being angry at it, again, it's it's a pollution that you're putting on your system. You know, you are just taking in the injustice and you're being like, it's true. It's true. It is true. It's happening. I'm not saying it's not happening. But if you can't, if you can't figure out a way to do something where you feel at peace with what you've done, you
0: know, does that help? I think, I hope so. I, I find that very helpful. You're like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yes! I'm, I'm going to take that. Thank you so much, Layla in Atlanta. And thank you. Yes. Thank you, Layla. <laughs> yes. I think you're absolutely right. I really love this kind of continued narrative of, um, pollution outside of self and pollution within self. And so how, what are the work that we are doing within ourselves and outside of ourselves to help transmute that pollution, um, such such a great conversation. Thank you again, Celine. I so so appreciate you.
1: Thank this you so great. much, Elise.
0: Sorry, did you hear the pew pew pew? I didn't missed it. My husband <laughs> being like, I'm almost done. Okay, we're done we're, <laughs> done. we're done. We're done. I'm shocked my son has not knocked on the door. I, he must have
1: no, you are so amazing. This was such a wonderful conversation. I'm so grateful for you and for your questions and for the opportunity. And I hope we get to connect again together and talk more. I would love
0: that. I'm sure we will. I'm sure we will. Until next time. Not like a regular mom. I'm a cool
1: mom.